Hey there, terrible listeners. I'm Justin Ecock. I'm not your GM today because we're not actually playing a game at all. If you hear the noise in the background, uh, we are on location at the Breakout Convention in Toronto. It's in their third year, and it's a local uh, tabletop centered in board games uh uh, so tabletop is board games and role playing. You, you get it right here in downtown Toronto. And uh, for some weird reason, they gave us a media pass. And so here we are. Uh, we're going to be meeting and talking to game developers and, uh, uh, and and the people who run this convention. And I am not alone because if I came here by myself, it would just be a train wreck. Uh, I have brought along a fellow game player. You heard her uh, in the Paranoia game. It, Natalie Wallace. Hi. Hello. Why, thanks for bringing me along. Th- thanks for thanks for uh, giving me validation and support and answering uh, the call to help ask questions to people. This, this is my jam. This I'm is what a, I do. I'm a terrible interviewer. <laughs> uh, clearly, uh, Breakout is is in a desperate state if they've allowed us. In yeah, I don't understand why they had us as media, but that's okay. Clearly, uh, but uh, special thanks to Kate Bullock yes. for uh, responding to my emails and, uh, and giving us these passes, and to uh, uh, to every facilitator that we've met. Uh, over the next hour, you are going to hear uh, our conversations with. Uh, uh, some of the developers who agreed to speak to us. A small percentage of the ones you, that exist here. Breakout, there is almost a, I want to say, nearly a hundred. There are so many creators, there are so many publishers, uh, the volunteers that are here running games. The background noise you hear as we're standing in the RPG room and they're all just playing games around the table. Uh, this is terrifying to me because I would have <laughs> never played a game at a convention and now uh, I don't think I'm going to. Oh, and see, meanwhile, I you love have. to play them. I am planning on writing a to, bunch of Gen Con this year. You've been so to Gen Con, and I how have. does this compare to like, Gen Con? I mean, it's smaller, but it's the same feel. Gen Con is, light? Yeah, 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 well, really, really light. Like, but, 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 <laughs> but do you think Breakout, like, they're only in their third year yes. here in Toronto. Like, yes. like they've got really It has the grow. opportunity to grow. It really does, which would be amazing, just because there isn't anything like this for the board game community, the tabletop community in general, in Canada. Like, you have to go to the States at this point. And it's really frustrating. But to see something like this come out of such a love for the community and a dedication, it's only going to go up from here. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes in future. I'm looking forward to. Uh, so, Natalie, let's go hit the road or the yeah. hallway and see who wants to speak to us. Who is going to actually let us speak to them? I can tell you, i got a lot of people who so far are like, I'm free tomorrow. I'm like, I'm... Not. Apartment hunting. I'm not coming back tomorrow. Uh, so I have laundry to do tomorrow, really. So let's go. Let's go star wipe into the next interview. Excellent. That's how that works. I'm Misha Bushiger. Uh I am one third of a company called New Agenda Publishing. Uh, we're a company dedicated to uh, boosting marginalized voices. Um, we're, we just started, uh, our first game's going to come out probably later this year, uh, looking at quarter three or so. It's called Arun. It's an Afrofuturistic take on space opera. Uh, you can find more at newagendapublishing.com. Um, I also blog personal uh, gaming-inspired fiction at blackgirlgrameworks.com, uh, um, and I write for other RPGs. Um, I'm also working on a LARP uh, called Nightingales, which is stories of nurses in war. 
specifically cool. women because uh, it's part of the Warbird series, yeah. which is about uh, women in war. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm working on that with Maura Turkington and Rachel Walton. Um, and then, yeah, I, I write stuff from everything from uh, I've written for Lovecraft Desk. Uh, we did a collection of feminist nano games under hashtag feminism. Um, I was an editor for that, which meant a lot of reading. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm writing a playset for Mass and, and a few other projects. So. Amazing. So busy, busy, busy. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Bring you here to Breakout. What's it? What's been like here for you this uh, this weekend? Uh, so uh, uh, my day job is, is a database analyst. So I, I left, closed my computer at like 4.30. I had to go to a chess club meeting for my daughter. They're going to nationals. So we had to oh, we had to do some logistical stuff. And then oh, we packed them up, stuck them in the car. We drove to Buffalo. Uh, spent the night in Buffalo because my in-laws lived there and left the kids there. Uh, and oh, then that's we convenient. Drove... I know, right? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and then we drove in uh, after some printer issues oh, for no. Nightingale. <laughs> so, apparently not all printers will print on three and a half, or three by five index cards, just so you know. Huh. Uh, uh, so drove in Friday. Played a, K- a couple of days yesterday. Uh, ran Nightingale's earlier today, mm-hmm. uh, which went pretty well. Uh, it was the first time we've done um, that playset. That one is our Santiago set, which is uh, nurses in the Spanish-American War in Cuba to work in the uh, cholera, or not cholera, uh, influenza and yellow fever wards. They hired a bunch of uh, 32 black nurses that they thought were immune to these diseases. Whoops. Uh, And um, uh, hired them to work as contract workers in in the Spanish-American War for about three months because the Spanish-American War only lasts like five months. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, so that was our second playtest. Our first one's Casablanca, which is in Morocco in 1944-45-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those both went off. And then done a couple pan- uh, done a panel today. I've got one tomorrow that to do still. And, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I, I like, I've been to Toronto once before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, got, you got some great weather here. Yeah, so. it's, 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 it's it about the same as it at good, home, so, so I, I'm happy. I, yeah, I'm, not, like, fine. I'm not in, like, three feet of snow or anything. <laughs> It's just so okay. I can deal with this. This is cool. Writing games and and and, and telling stories. Uh, what are uh, uh, I mean, Nightingale sounds amazing and and something I, I personally really want to look into. And um, you know, my mom being a nurse on a palliative care ward, but in 2018, and trying to imagine like you know transposing that experience into uh, wartime and. Uh, yeah, it it does it it, it, it yeah it's it's interesting it's an attention grabber. Um, yeah, all three of um all three of the designers on it um have family members who are, were in nurses. Like I'm my mother say. is uh, a nurse. She joined the army in 1974. Yeah, because she's a feminist and she said, "Hey, why are the guys getting drafted and the women not going?" So she decided to join and, and serve. Like yeah, she's cool. I love her. And uh, so she's been a nurse like all my life. Yeah, um, and so we wanted to. Right. With the Warbird series, we've been trying to write stories of women because women have always either fought or been involved in the war efforts, and so often their stories aren't told. So we wanted to make sure that those stories got told. Um, And so uh, nursing is nursing almost the same. Like if you've watched MASH or if you've watched uh, uh, ER. If you look at the stories that they're telling, they're very similar stories. Um, it's like, okay, the world outside is against us. We're here. We're together. We have to work. We have to take care of these people. Um, so it's about 
the emotional labor of nursing as much as it is about the physical labor of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's been really fun I mean, to work with these people and, and to tell those stories. Yeah. So what is it like taking personal stories? Obviously, you're so connected to what your mom has done, and so you're connecting it into what you're making. How do how do you bridge that? How, uh, how so it transposed into a game? Yeah. Well, right? some of it is, uh, so so with Nightingales, um, it really is about, uh, we, we came up with a, a kind of neat mechanic where it's, you're going to sit next to the bedside, mm-hmm. and you, you're in a ward, so there's mm-hmm. going to be uh, lots of patients. We're going to yeah. keep it quick. Um, so you're going to have, like, three minutes to make a connection. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's, it's it. but it's amazing how deep those connections can be in that short period of time. Yeah. So we give each patient a backstory, we give each nurse a backstory, yeah. um, and then we give the patient a need that they need to be met by the nurse. Okay. Um, and so some of them might be, uh, I need you to make me laugh, or yeah. I need you to, to to make me feel like I'm I'm back home, yeah. or uh, some of them might, we, we like went super dark, it's like I need you to help me die. Um, so uh, they have a diagnosis, so it might be like you know, oh, I've got gangrene. Like one yeah. of our, <laughs> one of my favorites in the Casablanca deck is um, the the patient has VD, and he wants morphine. Just put those, yeah, just put that combination together, and it, 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 it helps break the it helps break the tension a little. So I'll throw that one in if if people are getting a little too. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's trying to get that need met within, and the nurse doesn't have to meet the need. It's like, okay, no. look, you're not getting morphine for. for <laughs> I am not sorry. giving you another not, shot of morphine. No, well, you're not We're getting done. one. You, 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 I'm sorry, you're itchy. I'm not giving you morphine. <laughs> morphine is for the guy over there in the burn unit. Um, but so it's it's about making decisions, but still being compassionate about it. Because mm-hmm. nurses are usually compassionate people. There are a few you know who aren't. <laughs> Um, who are a little sadist, but you know, it happens. Um, but the, we also gave each of the nurses a backstory. So, like, one is a, a three times divorcee, and she's just done with men. And she's, you know, I'm just out of here. And one is, um, she's uh, a nurse. Uh, she just, uh, she started to come over to meet her husband in France, uh, who's, our, who's a doctor. And by the time she got here, he was dead. And oh, so, God. but she decided yeah. to continue the work. Um, and so, by giving each of the nurses uh, something, uh, a, a, a story for themselves, and then giving each of the patients a story, mm-hmm. it gives places to connect. So, like, one of the best scenes I've seen was the, the widow nurse. Um, there was a, uh, we have a character who is a uh, Moroccan prisoner, or mm-hmm. a, a Italian prisoner of war. Okay. And just watching those two players interact because yeah. it's like the first time I'd ever seen. Because we have a mechanic where there's touch, yeah. uh, so you know, you're you're checking the pulse, you're checking yeah. the, um, and just watching that withdrawal of touch mm-hmm. was just like, oh, you can kind of almost use that mechanic as a punishment. It's like, look, you are on the other side, and you and my husband is like just beautiful to watch. Um, but yeah, so you get some of those gut-wrenching stories, and it's good cries, and it's ugly cries, it's great. <laughs> Have you had a chance to, um, uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's not connected at all. Well, we did, we played the worldwide wrestling role-playing game, and, I got, and I got a chance <laughs> to play it with pro wrestlers here in Toronto uh, to oh, sit cool. at the table, so awesome. we got some comedians and we got some pro wrestlers, and they just played themselves in the game because they're like oh, yeah, they don't dark. know tabletop games. So I was so like, cool. I don't know persona. I was like, just play Dark Star, just play you know yeah, your your own, you. You play you. you. <laughs> and uh, uh, have you had a chance to play this game with nurses? 
Uh, not yet. We're, we're, I'm trying to get my mom to play. <laughs> but she's just she like, you want me to do uh, Yeah, yeah. You want me to work now? again? No. You want me to go? No, yeah. You want me she's to pretend to work? Now. She doesn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm done <laughs> with that life. <laughs> I will watch your kids. We're done. I've done my time. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the interesting thing. Uh, so, no, we haven't had a chance to play it yet, but uh, everybody who we have played it with has said, who has either had a connection to nursing um, has said that. Yeah, that th- this is this sounds like what my mom told me about, or this sounds like what my aunt talked yeah, about. Right, this sounds right. like what sounds my like aunt the connection is about. like in, like yeah. for you and me, not a direct connection mm-hmm. to being uh, a nurse, but being part of that family. Yeah. and and I think that's a, a shared experience among yeah. a, a lot of people out yeah. there. Um, that's really cool. That's yeah, really neat. Yeah, um, what are uh, other projects? I mean, we've got uh, the, the New yeah, Agenda Publishing. Yeah, new Agenda Publishing. Uh, so, so, yeah. The, widen the focus here, yes, too. Uh, so, uh, we, we are working. Um, we just started. Uh, we started uh, back in January. We've been working on uh, it a bit before then, but we announced uh, first of January just because, hey, New Year, New Agenda. Um, and uh, our first game is going to be Arun. Uh, it's a tabletop. Um, space opera with an Afrofuturistic bent. Um, we're working. Uh, we should start playtesting in the next couple of weeks, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, we've got some of the species uh, fleshed out, and uh, some of the worlds fleshed out. And uh, basically, you're going to be playing um, agents of the government who are troubleshooters, problem solvers. Uh, so. But you might also have side jobs, so you might be working for the criminal element, or you might be working for the churchy element, or you might be working for you know the merchant guild, while you're using your authority yeah, as a, a supplemental yeah. income. As, Government jobs don't yeah, feel like yeah. they used to. And it's it's set um, after certain Fun. people after uh, a a grand ascension has happened. So some people have ascended to like the next plane of existence, but not everybody has. And so there's a bit of a hey, why? Hasn't everybody? Yeah, there's there's some of that. I mean, so there's not. You don't necessarily need money on every world. Some worlds have really great technology, and some worlds aren't. And some worlds have different technology. You're blending like the utopian sci-fi's and the dystopians. They're kind of all blending them together. Some worlds are that Star Trek post-currency, and others are others are like very hard scrabble. You know, (laughs) hey, we gotta we gotta get it. Um, And and so it's been fun to work with Jerry and Aloy, uh, Aloy Lasanta and. Jerry Grayson are, are my two partners on it, um, and we're gonna. So the next step after we play test a little is we're gonna start doing a call for writers, and we're we're aiming. One of the goals with the company was to uh, boost marginalized voices, so um, we're, we're especially looking for women, people of color. Um, uh, queer people, uh, trans people, people whose voices would not necessarily otherwise be heard in a, in a wide setting and help them boost it. And then one of the goals for later... Where, uh, where could they do that if they're listening right now? Uh, so we haven't put out the call yet, oh, but yet. if yes. Uh, so if you keep an eye on newagendapublishing.com, um, we'll have the call there, and you'll see it on social media and stuff. Uh, uh, Twitter is New Agenda Pubs. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We have a Google+. Plus. Uh, set your Google alerts now. Yep, yeah, set your Google you alerts. Uh, <laughs> that should be coming out within the, within the next quarter or so. Nice. Um, so artists and, and writers and, and, and the rest of the, the people who will help us flesh out the game. Mm-hmm. So we've got the core idea, but we're going to hire people to uh, help it build yeah. it out. So it's like, Amazing. all right, this is... We, we, we What's the lore on this plan? 
planets. Yes, and figure this out. How does this culture this? work? Yeah, versus tell us what this one is like. We've got the basic bare bones. Make it, make it, make it full. Uh, fill out the leaves on this tree for yeah. us. It's just like, I mean, for me, I just love eating that stuff up. Uh, there's another uh, space opera from a diffie called Coriolis that, uh, like, they put out an atlas for each chapter for individual planet. And I might never play this game because it yeah. looks like it's going to take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but I'm reading about it, and it's 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 so uh, just to sink yeah. my teeth into. Yeah, our goal is to have it so that even if you don't read the whole thing, you can pick it up yeah. and pick up enough of it to play it. Uh, and if you want to read more <laughs> really and pull that in, cool. That's, that's even great. better. That'll yeah. just make it better. Yeah. Uh, but we Add we need to have a good one. Yeah. It's like we 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 want you to have a good game with the basics, but yeah. we want you to have a better game with the full thing. Nice. That's nice. So you do so many different things in so many different realms. Um, but you also mentioned that you have kids. Yes. So is there anything that you do for them necessarily that ties into the games or anything um, like that? Have so you made anything? Uh, I wrote a scenario for Lovecraft-esque uh, called uh, Mr. Giggles Comes to Dinner. And it's kind of a little inspired by some of the creepy crap my kids say. Uh, you know, if if you never you like, it's like that's my favorite Reddit threads, right? It's like you know, we, I I went to pick my daughter up one afternoon from daycare, and she was like three or four, and she says, "Mommy, we're playing evil princesses today," and I'm like, "Oh, honey, okay, <laughs> okay, sure. so sure, what's what's evil princesses?" And so she went on this long explanation about it. Um, but then uh, we every year uh, the con that we take them to every year is called Camp Nerdly. It's in uh, Prince William Forest, uh, Virginia. Yeah. Um, it's a weekend cabin camping. They have bathrooms and they have a full kitchen and everything. It's kind of a community thing. It's like you bring your kids. Uh, somebody will put together, like somebody's in charge of making a meal. Yeah. Um, but everybody's in charge of either running a game or, you know, doing some, you That's have amazing. a chore. Yeah, it's great. Um, so every year what we've been doing is um, there's a game called Superhero Bakery. Never actually read the game. Sorry, creator, my bad. Sounds but like the, a great yeah, name. But the but the name was like superhero bakery. So every year, um, we bring like one of the the teach parents will bring a box of costumes, and either the uh, adults that are helping run uh, will play the, the the villains, or the kids will play the villains, <laughs> and. We have to get through a superhero, a bakery shift as superheroes and supervillains. <laughs> so, the years like I'm a villain, sometimes I'll be trying to sabotage the cakes, oh and like sometimes we end up with great cakes because I managed to get the food coloring in before the kids noticed that I was mixing it into the, their cake batter. And sometimes we end up with, you know, oh, they're a little misshapen, but we always end up with, you know, something edible, yeah. uh, something delicious, yeah. and then we serve it for dessert <laughs> afterwards. But the kids have fun for oh, that, you know, couple of so yeah, it's like it's that. box cake mix and, and, and eggs and you know. Also, I would watch the shit out of that. Exactly. Like that's amazing. Hilarious. And so they're running around like I'm gonna freeze you. That's my power. And, oh, I'm gonna unfreeze you because that's my power. And, oh, you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bake the cakes with my breath because I have fire breath. It's like there they have a blast doing that's it. Wonderful. You know? And so yeah, I, mean, I don't even almost care what the actual game is yeah, because I, that I, that has its own concept. Is yeah, wonderful. So, so from I understand of the game, you don't actually bake anything, which is oh, like that's unfortunate. That's, yeah, it's like <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's that seems like, like a left up <laughs> exactly yeah, like, for, it's gotta it's gotta do what it says on the tin hey, right. superhero bakery I wanna bake why am I not getting to do that <laughs> seems like false advertising right there god <laughs> but uh so that's that's one that we do every year and uh my daughter is 10 now so mm-hmm. we've been slowly uh uh, one of my neighbors down the street has a daughter who's the same age, 
Um, so we've and we're both geeks, so we've been slowly incorporating them. Like we ran an, uh, a, a <laughs> we ran a, a game of Apillion, which is about baby dragons. We figured, hey, baby dragons, this is going to be right in their wheelhouse. And so playing baby dragons was right in their wheelhouse, but Apillion apparently was not enough bloodthirsty enough for them. <laughs> No, Little it's not girl, a blood no, it is not. It's like we were like, oh, friendship is bad. Yeah, the kids were like, no, we want to, we want to beat the darkness. No, oh, God. <laughs> like, oh, hmm, this is not the right game for that. Uh, I did not anticipate this going. Ah, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, oh, I think, oh, that didn't work the way I thought it would. Uh, okay, so we're gonna try this game next. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's about finding that sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, but we do a lot of board games with them. Yeah. Um, uh, like, uh, was it? Uh, something Tokyo. Oh, uh, King of Tokyo. Yes, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Godzilla Yahtzee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Takedo and, yeah. and a few other games. And so they've, they've been picking that up, like, since they were little. Like, That's we've kind of always had them around. Oh, yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I guess just to wrap things up, uh, the, you know, being here at Breakout has just felt like, you know, you can taste the excitement on the air and to see all these games represented mm-hmm. and, and all these people excitedly playing them and talking mm-hmm. about them. Um, I mean, how does it feel like just in this, the, the state of the hobby and and and, and way games are, are going? Um, you know, a lot more work to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there are pockets of progress. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, there there are parts of the industry that feel very progressive that are are concentrating on on diversity and and um, making their games more accessible to more people than just, you know, straight white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are pockets of the industry where that is pretty much the oh exact God, opposite. Yeah. Like, uh, when we announced uh, New Agenda, uh, there were a couple of Reddit threads that were just like, oh, heartbreak. It's like, all right, I'm going to stay away from Reddit now. And yeah, not going anywhere near Yeah, no, going to stay away from it. And then there were a couple that were really, really uh, affirming um, and and there were some like where pe- we could see people coming into those the first kind of threads and like hey what's wrong I mean these guys have been doing this for years and you, mm-hmm. you've loved their other stuff why, why are you, yeah, you what's the problem like, now what's the problem now uh, oh it's because now you know they're black I see uh, alright so that's uh, alright that's a different story um, it's, and it's it's just been it's been kind of a weird roller coaster of emotions yeah. there some um, but yeah the, the, I do see progress I do see um, like uh, things like um, Magic the Gathering, just changing their their default pronouns from he or she to they, and you know little steps like that I'm seeing, it's, and it's 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 a it's a big thing. It was an interesting. We just finished playing Paranoia, the mm-hmm. the new the new edition that came out from Mongoose in 2016, and it was subtle. It wasn't I don't think even directly mentioned in mm-hmm. the book, but the original Paranoia, uh, one of the jokes is happiness is mandatory. Mm-hmm. You know the friend computer demands happiness. If you're not feeling happy, they give you a happy boop, and you get like pills, and you always. He's like hopped up for his happiness. Paranoia has kept that joke, but they just changed it to fun is mandatory. Not happy, mm-hmm. fun. Fun is and, mandatory. And, 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 it, and I realized without even knowing that that it kept the joke, mm-hmm. but it removed the problem that this idea that, you know, you might not be happy, but you can still Have be fun. having fun yes. and still be loyal to the computer. And this idea that, you know, understanding that happiness isn't, natural mm-hmm. for every brain yeah. and that uh, allowing players to not feel targeted by by or something like that and and like it's that. and and some books like the new Star Trek one have more overtly have little sections that explain mm-hmm. why they're changing things around mm-hmm. about ageism and that and mm-hmm. um, referring to the species as species and not races yeah. um, you know the Klingons and Vulcans are different species mm-hmm. and uh, uh, 
whereas paranoia didn't mention it. It's just very because also uh, uh, arguing about the rules is against the rules in paranoia, and knowing about the rules is also against the rules. But but it was just very subtly just slipped in, and it was just a change, and it was like. I don't know. It was just yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, they're an both equally valid yeah. approaches. I mean, you know, yes, you can you can mention it and and say why you did this. Um, you know, because it's never a bad thing to to explicitly call out. Uh, hey, we made this change to make it better for this reason. To, to, make it to more remove, yeah, to too. remove the stigma, to 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 make it so that these kind of jokes aren't okay. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you do it subtly, like uh, Target uh, had an entire campaign where they they featured um, like a, a there was a Downs kid, there was a kid mm-hmm. in, a, but they never there was never any social media no. about it. It was just like oh one day in your ad, yeah, this, these are people they they wear our clothes. We're yeah. going to put them in their they ads. Are our they are exactly. So there, it's two equally valid approaches. Um, in some games, I I do prefer explicitly calling it out mm-hmm. because it kind of makes you think about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do it subtly, you notice it, maybe, but maybe. not everybody does. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a matter of which you prefer to do. Yeah. Uh, Misha, where can we find you? Uh, so I blog personally at blackgirlgameworks.com, and uh, newagendapublishing.com is uh, the, the company site. Hi, I'm Camden Wright, and I write and design games. Uh, my game is called One Child's Heart. And so when considering what genre of game I wanted to make, I decided that while uh, Dungeons & Dragons is very marketable, maybe childhood trauma is even more marketable. Oh, yeah, And of so this is about, uh, it's a game about hope and human connection and um, how the things that we experience in our lives can shape and affect the people around us. And so uh, how's that process gone from conception to having this game is it is playtesting or is it? No, it is. Uh, we're getting pretty close to uh, publishing stage. Great. So what, what's how's how's that gone from? I ha- you have got the idea. Yeah. To to make it and now working it through the different phases to print and now it's out in the wild. Out and in other the Other people are going to be yeah, creating other- stories in this. Other people have run it now and played it outside of, of my view. Um, it was well. I, I put myself under a tremendous amount of pressure. I um, I, uh, I applied for the IGDN uh, scholarship uh, for 2017, and I won. And this was the game that I said that I was bringing. And so um, it's been something that was half written for a while, and I created it because I didn't have the uh, the luxury of time to worry about it being perfect. I made it good and honest. And that has done more service to the game than anything else. The game itself, uh, uh, Sarah was telling me uh, it, it had some personal connections uh, to you. And yeah. uh, what, what, uh, creating this game for others to participate in and play, um, why? Why? Um, so I wrote this game as sort of a love letter to the boy that I was and to children that I've worked with volunteering in schools over the years. And people often see kids struggle, they see the big traumas, and they don't appreciate the small traumas and the things that we can do as individuals to show somebody some love and the difference that that makes and the way that it ripples out, not just in their lives, but in the lives of everyone they touch. And that's what this game is about, too. Um, I, I kind of view it as a gift of people who don't get to witness that. Um, you get a little bit of insight. For players that play games for, you know, 
they might see a, a, a pitch like the game you have mm-hmm. and uh, hesitate about playing a game that is, yeah. uh, is tough content and uh, is intense emotional. and emotional yeah. and uncomfortable. And um, for someone who might be afraid to introduce this game to their play group to mm-hmm. um, present it to them, do you have any advice on just breaking out of that um, only playing the games that feel good if that's if that's you know yeah. what I mean like so um, so because I'm a big giant lovey hippie <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, this the kind of one of this the best most artful parts of role-playing games is when you can create real human emotion from an imagined situation and so for this game what I do is every time anyone sits down and plays with me there's a child that is just for you you are the only people that will ever meet this child. You are the only person that will ever affect their lives. And so um, as much as we have memories of the big, huge bad guy and the yeah. time that we rolled all the 20s and, you know, exploding dice and all that other stuff, to remember this one particular imaginary child that you carry in your heart yeah. for the rest of your life is something that is difficult to replicate without being willing to be vulnerable and, and have that emotional connection. I mean, I, you've sold me. You've sold me. <laughs> I, 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 I do want to uh, try this out. Are you saying it's almost ready for publication? Yeah. So this we're, year? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This year, um, I've got it. There's uh, Sarah Richardson is working on editing it right now, and um, uh, because I'm a giant cliche as well, we'll probably go to Kickstarter. <laughs> you've got a game to go run. I do. Yes. So I'm going to go. Where can we uh, find more information about you and about this game? Uh, you can look at camden.com, C-A-M-D-O-N.com, or analogletters.com, which is my business site. I'm, I'm Jane Gates. I am currently the fiction line manager for Nasaba Press from Green Run and Publishing. I'm, I'm also an acquiring editor for Falstaff Books, and I am a freelance game developer, writer, editor, uh, communications manager, Jack of all trades. I, I do a lot of different things. You wear a lot of hats. Yes, <laughs> I have a very. I am short, but there is a very tall stock on my head to make me look. It's tall. true. It's like the the cappy salespeople from Mario yeah, Odyssey. It makes it really hard to get through doorways. <laughs> so, we're uh, a big fan of uh, Green Ronin games uh, on, on, on Terrible Warriors. We played through Game of Thrones uh, last year. I want to say September, October-ish. And that was a fun game because it was also uh, the first time um, uh, Tiff Compton uh, ran a game, not just on our show, but ever ran a game. She uh, found the book and wanted to set us up and uh, handpicked the players from from our group and been like, the three of you, you're coming to Westeros with me. And that was uh, was a lot of fun. Um, uh, It was... uh, I got to sit in on uh, a panel earlier this afternoon on uh, horror and RPGs, and uh, I really actually wrote down like half the things you were talking about <laughs> because I was like, "Oh, that's good." Um, you had some interesting uh, just thoughts on horror RPGs specifically, but just role-playing games in general in um, what they like a purpose that they can serve for for players, not just for having basically nerd poker night but also as a way to experience uh, characters and stories and perspectives and emotions in an environment that isn't going to be inherently abusive to experience those characters, emotions and and situations. I think humans have a tendency to 
We play. We lose a lot of that as we get older, but play is a very powerful part of our experience. Uh, something else that I think is unique to humanity is that we attempt to experience the world through other viewpoints. And even the most isolated and self-absorbed of us watch movies. We read. We are invested in other people's lives. And sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it's really good. And games give us a way to do that on a more in-depth level. When you watch a movie, you have a couple of hours where you're voyeuristically experiencing someone else's life. It's usually larger than life. It's uh, a little bit mythical. In games, you're getting more into the nitty-gritty of it. You are being forced, if you have a good GM, to step outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes that's a little bit. Sometimes that is massive sidesteps into a completely different persona and idea. And it can be a really good uh, place to experience marginalized uh, areas. If you are a marginalized person, it can be a really good way to work through some of the traumas. Uh, Now that we're starting to see more games from marginalized creators, we are starting to develop tools to build empathy. And obviously a lot of that relies on having a sense of willingness to listen, to explore, uh, to approach those things with good faith. But we are starting to see more of that, and I think it's making RPGs a really powerful social engine of change and exploration. And I mean, and then on the other side of that room, uh, I got a chance to speak with Sarah Richardson from Magpie about Bluebeard's Bride, and, and also being a straight man playing Bluebeard's Bride, and having that experience and opportunity to traumatize myself and put myself into a situation that deals with agency and body horror and that that is not something that likely I would experience in day-to-day life. (laughs) RPGs, the safe way to traumatize yourself in a fictional setting. Actually, though, and uh, how'd you get into gaming and what's that, you know, what what is it about role-playing games that attracts you to, you know, playing and then developing and contributing into this environment? So I actually come from the fiction world. I started out in science fiction and fantasy publishing. And hilariously, the way I got into games was realizing that all of the people that I was really good friends with were going to this thing called Gen Con, and not to the cons I was going to, and realizing, huh, clearly I'm going to the wrong cons. And so I'd been working with... gaming a little bit just through some of the work I was doing at the time on a more uh, business side of things. And so I went there and talked to people and they said, oh, hey, you're a writer. Yeah. Why don't you write for this game? And so it's like many things in my life, uh, I kind of tripped and fell headfirst into it. And it was, there was a sense of community and collaboration that the more solitary world of science fiction and fantasy publishing novels didn't really bring to me. And I I value that sense of community. Uh, Almost all games are collaborative in some sense from the inception of idea all the way through the final plane. How weird then... Okay, so coming from uh, uh, fiction writing into game writing, um, I mean, 
obviously those are they're 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 doing different purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing, you're writing a story that someone's going to read through an experience versus playing a game that someone is going to inject themselves into and be a part of and manipulate. And oh, how what are what are the challenges that go with writing for a world that is going to be, you know, it's not really up to you mm-hmm. the ending to that particular story, right? You're creating the the sandbox, not the sandcastle. Well, I'm not creating the sandcastle if I put the proper molds and shovels and implements in there and I give people the tools necessary uh, to kind of guide them in the direction. Like, if you look at a game like uh, D&D or Pathfinder, you're just basically giving them shovels and a big sandbox. There's not really any guiding. Uh, yeah, you do adventure paths, and then you have more of that. But especially with some of the indie games, some of the newer style of games that are coming out, you're essentially saying, here's a sandbox, and here's a build-your-own-castle kit. Yeah. And there's still room for imagination. You can still you know, put different rooms on the castle, different shapes of buildings. But there is a guiding sense of, this is what the final product should somewhat look like. I, I think I got my first experience playing Monster Hearts with that, where yeah. all of a sudden it, the rules and the moves that are presented to you are limited mm-hmm. into you don't really have the agency to work together yes. as a team because you're a snotty teenager and you don't know how to work with people yet. And uh, so you, yeah. <laughs> you just know how to manipulate and pressure people into doing things for you and exploit. And actually working as a team is an mm-hmm. adult move that you level up into yeah. as you get more mature as a character. Um, and yeah, you're right. In Dungeons and Dragons, that would never be anything that would be brought up. Versus Monster Hearts is is corralling you into a frame of thinking mm-hmm. about your character and this world of being a monster in high school. And I'm 32 years old and don't even really remember <laughs> what high school was like. And so, you know, going back into that and then in a way that really gets in under your skin. Yeah. So you're getting it under the skin of, of players with your writing? Yes. And the challenge is to not say, here is the exact, here's the castle. I want you to just appreciate the castle because yeah. it's all too easy to build things so tightly and so uh. rigidly that there's no way to explore. And I think that that's one of the major differences between uh, f- straight-up fiction and RPGs. In RPGs, you're saying, build this castle with me. Yeah. Learn from this experience. Learn from my experience. And bring your own experience into it as well. Uh, whereas with fiction, it's, here is my castle, admire it. And you might learn a lot about it. You might learn a lot about something you'd never explored before. But I've you seen that castle, but I've never gone inside it yeah. before. And now I'm getting a tour of now a world that's not mine. You're helping with the interior decorating. And I think that that is... And you're, ta- you're taking away ideas to make your own world better. Uh, and I think that that is what is really powerful about it, is having that... It's, it's a learning experience in the most gentle, guiding way instead of the, here is a rote thing you will learn. It's let's learn through exploration. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what projects are you working on right now that people can look into? So currently I am, when I get home, I need to write for Modern Age for The Companion because we have a bunch of things coming out there uh, that will help us expand on the original Modern Age. Uh, We have several projects in-house that we have not announced yet, so look forward to those. Uh, check out Nsaba Press. Uh, we're doing a lot of tie-in fiction directly related to Green Run and Properties, so Blue Rose, Mutants and Masterminds, and Freeport right now. 
And all of it is tie-in fiction, but what we have done is we're bringing in a combination of people who have worked in RPGs for years, some who have written for or developed the lines. I, we have a novel coming out from Joe Carricker later this year set in the Blue Rose world, which is going to be amazing. Uh, we have a Mutants and Masterminds novel from Aaron Rosenberg, which is also going to be so cool. Wow. Uh, so, but we're also bringing in science fiction and fantasy authors who've never some of them have never gamed before and we're saying here's this world what stories do you want to tell in it and I'm really excited about those collaborations injecting a whole new like gene pool yes. into, into that into is the exactly fiction. my goal <laughs> that's really really exciting okay, new blood <laughs> we need it yes. uh, uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, again where can people find you I, I'm on twitter as at James Gates J-A-Y-M-G-A-T-E-S uh, my website is just www.jamegates.com I'm really bad about uh, keeping it up to date so twitter is probably the better place to find me yeah be kind just tweet yeah <laughs> so thank you so much for your time enjoy thank the rest you. of the convention yeah. Uh, hey, Natalie, here we are uh, walking down the hallways breakout, and we've come across uh, Jess uh, from Extra Life Toronto. Hi, Jess. Hello. We were chatting earlier about um, uh, Extra Life and, uh, and what uh, happens with the, with the guild and, and, and what you're up to. Uh, when did you join up and start with? How did, how did you get involved with doing Extra Life here in Toronto? <laughs> in Toronto. Um, so I actually joined Extra Life through a... I guess a friend of mine that I had met at a gaming convention and we were both game devs and we were just nerding out about stuff and he it was coming up to game day that year and he's like hey I have a bunch of like 30 people are going to be hanging out in my house playing games for 24 hours you should come over I mean I had met the guy once but we became really good friends what could possibly go wrong I know I know. pretty much it <laughs> But it worked out. I dragged one of my best friends. Yeah, thank goodness. No, he's actually he's actually coming to volunteer tomorrow. So it's okay. like, yeah. Um, dragged out one of my best friends, and we hung out with a bunch of people the very first year. Downstairs in the basement, they were playing horror games and streaming. Upstairs, we were playing a mixture of board games, video games. A bunch of people all came in because I would never played a horror game ever. And they all came into the room, and I had the headphones on. And so it was fine because I could yeah. hear the sound effects. And then I had an audience behind me all watching. And this was probably like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's perfectly natural. Yeah, right. and their lights are off, people are like getting super sleepy. We've all been there. And I could hear things coming, but they couldn't, oh, and God. they all screamed behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was perfect. It was like, these are random strangers, and I'm hanging out just playing games for kids, and it was just, it was so perfect. You become friends with people through horror, though. It's that yeah. adrenaline. You suddenly are best friends for life with these people now. Oh, I thought that works. Certainly a lot of uh, a lot of us know of Extra Life, and uh, how has it been since then over the last, you know, several years? Uh, so the organization's been around for 10 years, yeah. 10 plus years, um, and it's changed a lot from very few gamers to now being a thing that is well-known, right? If you had asked maybe four years ago, people wouldn't know it as much. Um, that's probably one of my favorite questions when I'm running a booth to be able to spread awareness is how did you hear about it? And so even like you guys coming up to me, it was sort of like, well, how did you guys know, right? Um, and whether it's like Rooster Teeth or... Friend like, does it. Yeah, a friend does it, or they found out through their local hospital that, like, hey, this is a cool thing that, like, 
the teenagers are sort of getting involved with. Like, there's so many different these ways. These are the things the kids are doing these days. <laughs> it's the cool things that kids are doing. Well, so. it is really a charity arm that started, yeah, with mostly teenagers. At least the, well, the friends the, I know, they all just started playing their own games at home and just kind of did it themselves. It's one of it the awesome. easiest sells, especially to parents. That's usually we get the double takes from the parents and they drag their, like, their kids over and they're like, hey... Hey, did you hear that? Like, you can play games, which you're going to do anyways. <laughs> Let's uh, face it, we know you. <laughs> but you can do it for a good reason. And that's usually what I pitch to the parents. And I'm like, let's be, let's, let's be honest. Your kid's going to sit in their basement probably playing games. But you can teach them that they can do the things that they love doing, but do it for the right reasons. And that's what I love about this charity is that's the fact true. that, like, you get to have fun, but you're also helping all these amazing kids. That's amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like what I don't really have to. I know. I mean, and I'm selling it to you. Yeah, so. no, it's true. I'm, like, I'm totally sold in this, and I'm not like at all a child anymore. But of course, we're, but. we're at Breakout, which isn't like a video game convention. It's a tabletop convention, and so that's the one thing that I personally was like. Extra Life is streaming video games and 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 doing like the Desert Bus stuff yeah. on Child's Play and, not and, and just these going. Days. To, and it was not anymore. And with Extra Life uh, and tabletop. Uh, you're both looking at me, Natalie and Jess, <laughs> at like, yeah, of course. Of Duh. course you can roll dice on Extra Life. No one's going to stop you. Um, that, 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 that obviously seems to be a viable oh, very much <laughs> community so. here oh, in, in, in the city that we both live in. <laughs> and that's the, the one neat thing about our guild versus some of the other guilds is the fact that like 60% of our guild members are tabletop gamers. And so when we do events locally... Because usually we try to put something on for game day to give that sort of sense of community that you can come down and you can play games. And even if it's just for a few hours, but you can still be part of it. Most of the people that come out are board gamers because we have good partnerships with a lot of the meetup groups locally. So it just works. So talk about the Toronto Guild. It's only been around a couple of years now. I didn't realize there was guilds with Extra Life for until literally today. So that's really, really new for me. Isn't it that's just people really cool. working by themselves? Just like that's what I actually thought. And doing their own thing and sometimes you form a team? But apparently no. No, so the interesting thing about Guilds is it, it was a partnership that they did with Children's Miracle Network and trying to partner up the hospitals with the actual gamers. And that's the big disconnect, I think, sometimes, is you're playing for these hospitals and some people have personal reasons of why they play. Like, talking to one of our streamers, their husband spent a lot of time at our local hospital, so it, it's something near and dear to them. Yeah. Me, personally, I don't have a direct connection. Yeah, I have friends that, you know, spent time there, but it wasn't like my heart wrenching because of a specific person Um, my big thing is the fact that like gamers get a really bad rep anytime that they're ever in the media is usually because oh video games are bad or you know that conversation came back again (laughs) again of course it is always in the news apparently well that's that's what they're going to focus on right and that's the sad part of it because there's so many good things happening And so the guild is one of those nice things that they form. It's all volunteers. So none of us are being paid to do this. We're all extra lifers ourselves. And they had hospital reps going out to try to convince people to join. But not necessarily are they gamers. Some of them are. And we have one from Sick Kids that is the husband of somebody that works there. And he's super passionate. And he would come out and he'd help run the booze. But seeing his passion and the way that he interacted versus some of the Sick Kids people, they just didn't, they were missing that mark. And so they're like, why are we not going back to the people who are that much more passionate about it and that's the reason why they started forming guilds is so that they would come out to conventions they would go and get involved in their community and then sort of build their own local thing around their hospitals so that's what the good word yes yes (laughs) and that's that's the neat thing right like I, I bump into people like you at 
cons like this. And otherwise, we would have never known that each other existed or that we knew about each other. I mean, the online world is a magical place, but... It's also a series of, like, isolated islands sometimes where we don't always know that the others exist until we're like, wait, we've all been in the same orbit. (laughs) Why are there so many islands? Oh, no, they're connected. (laughs) And so that's, like, for us, especially the guild this year, is we want to be that ship that, like, goes between the islands because we want to be that hub that people can turn to for resources or, hey, I'm thinking about streaming, but I don't have the assets, the graphic assets for it. I don't know how to get into this. How 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 do I do? How do I do? So and pirates and privateers who yeah. landfall and attack islands to steal from the warehouses, I'm so they're glad called buccaneers. <laughs> so your guild is a group of buccaneer extra-lifers. I feel like he has a giant yeah. smile on his face right now because yeah. I'm like, pirate lore is just like the thing of my RP character, so... <laughs> nice. All right, so we're going to play 7C during extra, yeah. Yeah. For, for, for extra-life this year, right? That's perfect. Like Seafall and just create everything. I know that's not mostly pirates, but I make it all pirates it, it, always. It's going to be pirates. Nautical, I'm, I'm down it for it. It becomes so. pirates immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it works. Yeah, you the whale of a tail. If I dress up as a pirate, it totally just makes it a pirate thing. <laughs> it's fine. So uh, locally and internationally, uh, how can people find out more about Extra Life? Um, so... Because we've got listeners, some that are in Toronto, but they're mostly just my friends. But a lot of our <laughs> listeners are down in the States and over in Europe. And, Hi, and they friends. can all get involved. <laughs> Hi, Gares. They can all get involved in, uh, uh, I mean... You, I, I just sent a postcard off to Helsinki. That's really neat. Uh, oh obviously, gosh. you can play in, in Finland. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, yeah, and, uh, which is kind of cool. And uh, so, the um, uh, regardless of where you are in the world, you can get involved in Extra Life. Yes. And there is a, like a local chapter here in Toronto. There might be local chapters wherever you live. Um, uh, how can they find out more? So you can find more information at extra-life.org, which is the main website, and they actually have community forums on there, and all of the local guilds will be there. So whether you're in the States, even Puerto Rico, I think, has their own guilds. There's, I think, 10 across Canada, and it's one of those things that, like, on there is a great information pool, but then you can also find their Discord link on there, mm-hmm. and we're all in the Discord, and we will we will find your home. Find <laughs> and, you! And if you're in small-town northern Ontario, you can still sign up and do things on your own. And, Absolutely. Uh, and if you're in small-town northern Ontario, you probably don't have an internet connection, so good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> No, landline. It's, it's the dial-up tone happens yeah, yeah. again. Actually, one of our biggest supporters... Of is is actually from Sudbury. Oh, cool! And oh, so, that poor man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he no, it's amazing. He has an amazing community. Yeah, absolutely yeah. So beautiful community. And I actually got the privilege to be able to meet him last week at Extra Life United, and he ended up bringing back sixteen thousand wow, dollars. That's amazing. For extra, like oh Extra Life for Toronto locally. So. Well, Jess, thank you so much. I hope this is not the last time we cross paths with you. I hope and, not. Uh, uh, have a great weekend here. At thank you. You too. Hello, Kate. Hello. Uh, we'll start first. I mean, uh, I know who you are, but no one, no one on my show might know who you Harsh. are. Harsh. Might not. <laughs> I mean, some of them live in Helsinki, so which well, is you never know. Kind of neat. They might. They should, and they should. So uh, let's just start with like uh, who you are, what what your uh, role here is. I'm, I know what some of her. I'm Kate Bullock. I'm one of the main organizers of Breakout Gaming Convention. I'm also a blogger and a baby game designer and a bunch of other cool things like leadership teams. Talking to other people today, they have uh, name-dropped you a few times in our interviews without saying anything, so not to uh, make you feel uh, conscious and aware of that, but they did talk a lot about the mentorship program at Breakout, and uh, I mean, at the time we
time we're listening to this, uh, breakout is over, and we're having naps. And hey, so, <laughs> future me so happy. Future you is having a nap right now as this interview is being released into the wild. Um, but tell us about what the mentorship program is here and, and the function it's playing at Breakout. And I, I know this is the first year that it's been used. So, I mean, let's let's just let's share. The mentorship program was inspired by the Double Exposure Team's Metatopia, which is a convention in New Jersey where designers come and they play test their games and they get feedback. And if you're an established designer or even any designer, you can do a high test where it's other designers in the industry playtesting your games, and then you can also do low tests, which are your average Joes coming into play, right? So the mentorship program here was the idea that I was going to connect like designers who had never published anything, they were doing their first game with established industry insiders who could like come in and talk to them and give them feedback about their game, but also network with them. So the slot was a two-hour slot. You had to pay $20 to get an entrance. And then I took all of my industry guests and I asked them what they wanted to play and I paired people based on their interests and what they're good at with some people. And then they played for two hours and had an hour to network and feedback, do feedback. And everyone came out saying they had so many changes to do, but they were so happy they did it. And oh, yeah. that, that, that sounds like, for just $20, that sounds like an invaluable experience. To, That's what people said. To get that kind of like one-on-one feedback and to have that curated matchmaking there. It too. wasn't one-on-one. Not so one-on-one. they got to determine how many players they wanted. So some people wanted two players, some people wanted four or five. I guess uh, the language, direct feedback. Yes, very direct feedback. <laughs> it wasn't one-on-one. But you could get like five designers at your table giving you feedback about your game. Well, that's not intimidating at all. I know, right? So I did a lot of That's a little bit like breakout of, lion's den. So. Well, there was a lot of emailing, a lot of coaching. They knew who their designers were ahead of time. They had access to all of other breakout like little announcements so they knew what they had done in the industry. They had emails for me constantly being like, are you okay? How are you doing? What do you need? Um, they had an email from me saying, here's some tips for playtesting. Here's what you should probably be doing. Here's what you should consider. Uh, based on my own experiences doing Metatopia for a few years now and playtesting my game all the time, it's never going to come out. Um, but it was it was a really good experience. I think it was probably a little loud because we had a lot of people in that sure. room. But next time... Yeah, like not, a, not to say that I want more competition on a podcast, but I would listen to the hell out of a show that did that, where you'd have someone with their game design pitched to a group of designers, and we all just listened in. Like an AP <laughs> and then with like, the feedback section? Like just, or just like a, just a YouTube series. Where oh, <laughs> it's just that's, a, that, like if you tabletop think, dragon's dead. Yeah, I was going to say, if you think like that was, that was a horrible That's experience horrible. Lions <laughs> and then like being like oh we're also going to record we're it and people are going to listen to it everyone. it's going to be great and everyone's going to know how your game sucks sometimes <laughs> and how it was also a few gems right yeah so, yeah exactly I would, I, would listen, I would listen to the hell out of that show yeah well they would be so sad you no know, perhaps perhaps uh, but you know uh, we learn from our calluses uh, oh, I don't know. We are, we're not into making calluses <laughs> okay. at breakout we want to no. like Put band-aids on and be like, you're okay, the first, baby, we got you. The first thing that happened when we got to break out is you gave us a card. And on yeah. that card it told us, don't forget to drink water and take self-care. breaks. And self-care. And then on the back, you are loved. And uh, <laughs> we, we got you. And uh, this this is a convention that at its core really has a, an important like mission and mandate to make this an inclusive place for people to be able to enjoy this hobby that has meant so much to so many people. Yes. And to be able to share that with others. And... Um, here we are, year three, 
and at the Sheridan Center in downtown Toronto. Yeah, sold out. Saturday I, I, sold out. I mean, full disclosure, uh, you and I are friends, and I followed on Facebook before Breakout existed when there was these panic posts going, this might be a thing, is this a good idea? Should I be doing this? Should I be getting involved? And following along sort of it's been a as journey. an observer on what's yeah. been happening with, with Breakout and, and, and being here at, uh, I believe, I've heard from others, a sold-out show. It is, yeah, we sold out Saturday. Yeah, we are at capacity on Saturday. Uh, we still have passes, obviously, for the Sunday. But Act now, head back in time. Yeah, you know, past <laughs> you will thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been really interesting because our first year, we were about 300 to 400 attendees. Second year, we sold out at 600 on Saturday. We couldn't fit more people in there. And this year, again, at 1,200, we sold out on on Saturday. I mean, uh, that's bonkers for me as, you know, the... the, the you know, nerd in high school who was having to sneak out for games right? of Dungeons and Dragons with a teacher and not tell anyone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and now being in this place where it, there's so much excitement and so many new game ideas mm-hmm. and styles and uh, uh, it's uh, it's pretty infectious. It's fantastic. And we've brought together, I think, really good community of people who, at their course, value the same thing we do. So even though we're running a lot of a lot of people consider trad noahs are the kind of the problem players who aren't in buying into the inclusivity. We have that here, and they're all in, right? Everyone here, for the most part, is trying really hard to be like, yeah, Breakout is about love and compassion and kick-ass games. And they're bringing it. And it makes me so proud. Like, yesterday I was almost crying when we had found out we were like going to sell out today. And I was like, we did it, guys. We made a con. That, like On the weekend of Toronto Comic Con as well, during March oh, yeah. break and all these other things, Like this, this isn't the only event happening in Toronto this no. weekend. And still, you you, uh, you you packed it up to the walls. So yes. uh, congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we'll I mean, see what happens next we're year. We're like right in the middle of it. You still got another day. but uh, Yeah, but I'm feeling, <laughs> good. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling such gratitude to this community for doing this yeah i'm trying like not to cry (laughs) so uh i mean on that with the with the mentorship program and with uh with you know breakout and 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 doing this i mean is there any message you'd like for we have listeners that are all over the place a lot of them are in small towns and don't have uh big city connections and communities to, to get involved in and uh you know I know we've had listeners who have heard our games, went and bought those games, and it, sometimes they're just reading them, waiting to find the people to play with. Um, what do you have for them who um, are... Am I allowed to plug another podcast? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm also part of the Gauntlet Podcast, yeah. which is an online gaming space. So it's, it's a podcast, which is great, and it's been up for a couple Ennies and that kind of thing. But mostly, it's an online gaming community where all the people who don't have people to play with because their local communities are not into the things they like can come online and play. We do through uh, Google Hangouts. So I think connecting with people online and playing with people online is actually more of a future of gaming than things like this. Interesting, because I mean, for, and and we we've done remote games on our own show. We've had people who've yeah. moved across the country, and we've kept them involved. And uh, you know, some people through various circumstances either can't leave where they're living or, or can make it into the city. Um, and we we accommodate and we connect. And I still record as many games as I can mm-hmm. with the people in the room uh, to you know hear the dice hit the table and have that eye contact and that personal. Yeah, it's different. feel. It's a different space, for sure. I'm still struggling with the online space when I run my game and stuff because I'm so used to being engaged like we are now. 
but the gauntlet has found a way to almost make that streamlined and and not perfect obviously but like the community is similar to breakout in the sense of like they're all about love and compassion and, and giving inclusivity and they're just wonderful people and I think what we really need to look at for people who can't make it to Toronto to come to this convention and like people who can't come to game with you in person is like well we have this thing called the internet yeah and we can make spaces online yeah. like I ran Google an Hangouts online has convention like, it, like it's one of the lowest barriers of entry to like connect right. in it runs right. in your browser it's, it's yeah great. and I ran an online convention last year in October and it well, it can't sell out because it was free because <laughs> it's a free space. But uh, all the games were full. All the games ran. And it was so cool to see like people in designers who couldn't come to a physical space be able to run games for you online from their home. So I think there's a real connection possibility for those of you who can't like drive to Toronto. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Like, there's, there's options. So... Uh, thanks for having us at Breakout. Thank you for being here. It's uh, been lovely to have you. It, it, has, it has been a trip. Um, I uh, was talking with Natalie earlier. She's had to go off and get some dinner um, about personally not ever coming to a tabletop convention. I've been to conventions, but not one that's focused on tabletop. Oh, interesting. Only because uh, I feel like coming here, uh, I want to, you know, want to sit down and I don't want to play with people like I, I came out and played one game I think with Gamma World that you had invited me to with the yes. tag group yes. and I haven't done it since because it was so like I just like playing with the people I know versus going going into an environment to a table and sitting down with four complete strangers in, and I, I don't even know if I like what if I don't play it right what if I don't do things correct like, it's like all that anxiety builds up and I just go like eh okay I'm but you have to learn it. how to trust people <laughs> at that table because if you're going to sit down at a game table you're coming with a certain level of vulnerability and trust and if you don't have those things you get afraid and defensive and then you have a bad gaming experience and you just have to be able to come to the because some of the most magical experiences I've ever had gaming have been with four weirdos I've never met before right like we have people who LARP here who go into a room with people they've never met before and are going to play a high emotional intensive game for three hours where they're fully embodying that character how about Brave we've had LARPers on our our show that Derek just mentioned LARP for most of his adult life and I look at that and I go like that is terrifying. I don't even want to go out to a board game cafe and so play with people I don't you, know. <laughs> right? Like, it gives you a chance to engage with something that we don't normally get to engage to with, or rather. Um, and especially given gaming is a pretty dude-dominated hobby, and men are particularly told not to be vulnerable, not to be emotionally available, and not to engage in that space. It's interesting to have a con that kind of focuses on trusting each other and loving each other and being like, okay, sure, but now go play a game with those four strangers and love it. Right? It's, it's a chance to engage with something we don't normally get to in a gaming space that says we got you if you can't handle it. And both both Natalie and Joshua, uh, uh, Joshua's here as an attendee. He just oh, cool. wasn't here doing interviews with me. Um, and Natalie, you know, they've gone to Gen Con. They do this a whole, and they've been like trying to drag me in. So you know, hey, message received. Uh, probably <laughs> going to uh, uh, change those habits. Um, we, historically, uh, 
these have always just been ways to experience stories with my friends, right? Like mm-hmm. all the way from high school through college, and then later it was it was usually at least at first it was just the same seven people every time, right? And then now it, the podcast it got different, bringing in new people. But that's my studio, that's my show. It's, it's, it's so much different. There's no space. there's no it's vulnerability, space, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you're commanding that presence, right? Right. And, but the idea of like leaving the microphone aside and just going to a table and sitting down with no one yeah. I know and playing a game I've never played and. Uh, the but what have you got to lose? Nothing. I mean, the worst case scenario, you have a really horrible gaming experience and you never play that game again. Sure. Those are the worst case scenarios. For me, the worst case scenario is usually some sort of harassment or abuse, right? No, and the last time I did that, I, I, I played a game of Gamma World with you and I created this weird hive mind I was a mice. Cat. Mice. It was a swarm of <laughs> lab right. mice hiding in a coat pretending to be a real human person. Weird. And it's super weird. And it was the weirdest. And I still talk about that stupid right. character. Um, so what did you... Like, exactly. Like the, the, the it's just in my head. It is just in my head. Rawr. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm here all week. I hate puns so much. <laughs> no good. Oh, and that's it. The interview is over. She's walked away from me. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm left alone here in this hallway. Uh, they, they've taken my pass. I think I have been ejected <laughs> from the con. So this is it. Thank you for having me here, <laughs> terrible warriors. Where where can uh, where can we find you online? Uh, if you want to let people yeah, know where you can you find, can you? find me you got... personally on bluestockings.ca or when you can check out breakoutcon.com. Yeah, and check out that Patreon for Blue Stockings as well. Yeah, that's you can still, you can support me. Yeah, thing. yeah, I make I make money blogging. You know, I uh, I read those articles and then I throw them at my crew and go read it and ingest it and make it your own because you're making a damn good point. Oh, thank you. So it's uh, uh you're 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 writing your stories and this convention uh, it it challenges people like me appropriately and uh, it challenges the show that we make here on Terrible Warriors and. Uh, I look at the games we're playing and I look at the people that are making these games and the games that I've seen this weekend and there isn't enough months in the year for us to get through everything that I've seen but uh, we're going to try and uh, and, I, and I, there's so many people I've met that I want to be able to follow up on and do more like 10 minutes is not enough to get into what what some of these people are doing it's not and, uh, and, and so I, I, I hope that becomes a thing that we can do more often on this show because this is not a show that has been an interview show in the past so um, I want to know the people that are making these stories that we're telling. So I think they're, that's the important part, right? So many of these people are pouring their heart and soul into a game, and they're putting it on the table. Like, you're afraid to go play a game you've never played before with a bunch of strangers that you can walk away from and never see again. The greatest mystery that I've asked every single developer I've met is how can you make, especially the ones that started as fiction writers and then converted over, how can you make a world that you're going to then give away and have no control over what happens to it once that's done like you create these characters the setting these scenarios mm-hmm. and then say now you're off to college yeah, and I'm never seeing you again I know I, I'm playtesting my game and one of my friends did like a playtest for me with my game with my text but not controlled you're not involved it's so stressful like I, they're all recorded it's an AP I can literally watch them play it oh and I'm god. sitting here going oh my god oh my god what if they do it wrong what if it's offensive what if I fucked it up I have nothing to go I'm just the player in this scenario I have nothing this to this is what I mean by risk and reward right like you're gonna go in there with five people you've never seen before and you're gonna be like yeah fuck it that was the worst they never I'm never playing that again but the rest of us are like like those people are putting their hearts and souls in these games and releasing them into the wild and then they have to run them out of convention I mean how many years now have you been manipulating the Crossroads Carnival four four yeah so almost as long as this podcast has existed 
probably. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you were do when I first met you. You were like just joining the terrible. Just, just getting involved yeah. in that because I joined them in their first year. So yeah. and we're celebrating five years now. So mm-hmm. look at us both coming of age at the same time. Aww. <laughs> almost grown up. <laughs> almost, almost ready, almost ready for uh, like just regular school. <laughs> almost, very close. We're very close. Uh, well, I am looking for one day when, whenever that Carnival Crossroads is is ready uh, for um, public broadcast consumption. Uh, that's I, I I know that that particular Daredevil loop to loop made out of fire is so gone, gone. But uh, the stuff I've heard about what it is becoming sounds so much better. Um, it might be a game about community building now. Oh, it's not a game about uh, depression? The it way, is. Yeah. It totally is. There's that aspect too because the longer you engage... No one who's listening knows what we're talking about, which is great. This is it's the just, best thing. I might uh, not be able to use any of it. I'm not even... Yeah, but... I'm just hold to get to blackmail you later. The, the longer I've been working on it, the more it's becoming this like passion project about your community of people who are at a carnival, right? And... They have to try to protect the world from darkness, but darkness is also this like reflection of how it's the, darkness with a capital D. Yeah, the longer you're engaged in a community that's part of the outliers, the minorities, and people who aren't seen as people, the harder it becomes to be compassionate, and the harder it becomes to to push past the depression and despair you feel of not belonging. And that's what brings out the inner monsters is when our depression and our angst and our our de- despair take over and we lash out because we just can't survive anymore as as the nice person right but the way to fix the darkness is not through like hurting people it's it's through compassion it's through building community it's through making people feel better i have missed spending time in your presence and seeing this infectious like talking about something like darkness and depression and lashing out but with such love behind it all is such it, it, it on on writing it almost feels like a paradox but it's not until you hear it articulated where it's like oh that makes it doesn't it it, it yeah. does and it's so funny because i don't see it where i'm just writing the game i'm writing the game and then my mentor is sarah richardson and she's like kate is this a game about community building i'm like fuck sarah it is <laughs> Dang it. Just, I, I, none of my ideas have ever been original this is one thing we found yeah. out on our show is every character we make and then we go and we watch another movie we haven't seen in 20 years like oh it's just that it's just lestat we have never made an original character in our lives we don't tropes are so strong for a reason for a reason they're touchstones those those like seven stories that have ever been told because that's the human story right so every game is just going to be a different paradigm of that story another theme I've had from all these other interviews today is the, the 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 duality of coming to play a game to have enjoyment and like you know like that whole snakes and ladders roll the dice have a great time mm-hmm. versus having a game that you will enjoy on on uh, looking back on it but the actual in the moment is dealing with uh, some some hard themes some harsh story bluebeard's bride as, as an example to that right as like the the, the yeah. extreme version of this this understanding that i think it's also very much a toxic male thing of there are good feelings and there are bad feelings and to avoid all those bad feelings and if you are feeling a bad feeling that's a bad thing Mm. and to then immediately fill it with good feelings at the expense of actual (laughs) emotional vocabulary And, and, and these games are like some of the games we've come across today that dive in to swim in those feelings um and it's not a negative, it, bad experience so much as 
just an experience. It's just it, the feelings themselves are important. I think you have to remember that a lot of the designers that are making these games are designers who come from a background, not necessarily of trauma, but have experienced some really shitty things in their life. And they're using games as a way to have a conversation about that experience or about experiences they feel are culturally important and things we have a hard time being empathic about. Because um, there was a study that came out a few years ago that showed gamers are more empathic than other people. We have a better empathy because we're much better at stepping into someone else's shoes for a while and we're like, hey, I totally get this. I mean, we don't, right? But the, the joy of gaming is that it can teach you about the world or about yourself or make you question things a little bit because you can, for a moment, step into the shoes of someone who otherwise never would and you have the privilege of stepping out of those shoes again. So if I'm writing a game where we're playing minorities in a carnival and we're all being called freak and people hate you and want to hurt you, that is an experience some people have in this world. And when you are done playing the Crossroads Carnival, you probably are a little emotionally sad or hurt and you might be a little bit more empathetic now to people who are othered in society, but you can step out of that. And that's what LARP, a lot of Nordic LARPs, a lot of these games are doing. So when you play Bluebeard's Bride, especially as a, as a dude, right, a cis dude, you're getting an experience of what it feels like to be hypersexualized, hyper in an abusive relationship, and one you can't actually escape. But the, the close-ending things of Bluebeard's Brides are horrifically familiar. And every woman I've talked to who plays that game doesn't have the same response as dudes. Dudes want to fight the system, and the women are like, oh, that's happening. I've had, I've had re- like reactions even to, to uh, uh, one friend in particular when I told her about this game. Why would I want to play that? And, uh, uh, and, and there are certainly you know, people in, 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 our, in our show who like, I don't want, I, I don't want to play dark, scary, mm-hmm. intense game. I want to have fun. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> right? right? And uh, and and these uh, and and there are plenty of fun games that mm-hmm. I've seen today as well, uh, and uh, that 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 facilitate to that. But it's an interesting conversation that is, um, I don't think, one that has happened uh, a lot until the last few years now. As I feel like it's been a good ten to fifteen years where that conversation's been happening, as we saw the birth of things like Apocalypse World and Night Witches and these games that are slowly entering this emotional space. We're in the middle of a gaming revolution. It's just been 20 years in the goddamn making, and it's still happening, right? I think the first one for me was uh, four years ago with Monster Hearts when we when we played that game. Monster Hearts is mind-blowing for what it does, and strings to like physically represent the emotional pull you have on each other. Like, Avery's a fucking genius. She delights me in every possible way, and I keep saying she's one of the best of us, right? She's so fantastic. Uh, but even the games that like Emily Kerboss was making 10 years ago about uh, breaking the ice and stuff like that, where you're playing people on their first date. It's fun, it's happy, but it's a game about romance. And this didn't happen before, so it's still, it's still a revolution and it's still a conversation happening. But more and more people are now starting to say, like, you can play Bluebeard's Bride and have fun. It is entertaining. And fun generally comes from being entertained. Oh, I mean, we watch horror movies right? and we experience, we, we, we dive into those but all the it's, time. it's meaningful fun. It's not Jumanji. Okay, like it's, it's the sad movie you go watch that you're like, oh, that fucking hurt, but oh my God, I feel so emotionally fulfilled. And there were moments that were really, truly delightful. There are also moments where you're like, I don't know how to handle the fact that someone just told me I need to sexually assault another woman to get out of this situation. Because uh, that's real. That's happened to people. Uh, so I think it's a good conversation to have, and I think because gaming is supposed to be an art form, 
and if it is an art form, we have a social responsibility to address issues and to tackle them. And games that aren't are fun and entertaining, and I would almost say, like, they're your Jumanji, right? They're your superficial games. The ones that are trying to tackle things are, I think, addressing things more as an art form than they are as a uh, hobby and, and and certainly, I mean, the conversation like you say, going to fifteen years, going back to like Apocalypse World and, and and the stuff that was coming out even before that. You introduced me to Dogs in the Vineyard, yeah, which like predates that and, and that dealt was one with of Vincent Baker's uh, yeah. Vincent Baker dealing with his own personal history with Mormonism. growing up in, yep. in, in a Mormon home and um, heartbreakers and, on the table, right? Right. And so then we have though uh, is is this conversation is getting louder. Uh, yes. more louder than I think it has been before. Uh, and places like Breakout, where you have so many people here being uh, exposed to these games and these creators as well. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. And, I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be conflict and tension as, as, as uh, there's, a, there's an old guard of, of players that... I mean, there are. Just want to have combat. There's nothing and wrong with that. Get loot and experience There's, points. There is nothing wrong with that. I think the conversation breaks down when we start saying my way is right way. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who's going to, every time, I think last time I went to Dreamation, I had game after game after game after game that was designed to gut me. And by Sunday, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this, man. Like, I'm burnt out. I have no spoons left for this conversation about what it's like to be a man in the military in Vietnam during the Vietnam War and there I was playing Carrie with a bunch of Americans who had a very different perception of what the Vietnam War was compared to me who was raised in Canada so that was a very interesting moment and uh, I super burnt out for that but that doesn't make my like of that better or or more appropriate than my friend who just wants to play D&D all the time and play modules sent out by Adventurers League it's not more valid you know, I, I enjoy the conversations, though, that are brought up about, like, Dungeons & Dragons and going, you know, do you ever talk about grave robbing? <laughs> Is that a conversation that ever comes up? Because it's just looting the dead. And, and, and even still going ahead and just, that's just Dungeons & Dragons and, you know, you're, you're only going to get the coin so many different ways. But just having that, um, that, that conversation happen and just bring it up and... and, and be aware the next time you play. This is where I was saying earlier with Natalie is I, I love Dungeons and Dragons. We still mm-hmm. play it. We're, we got a Forgotten Realms going on right now. And it's um, and uh, Curse of Strahd is another one we've done with Ravenloft. Ooh. And right? That's super problematic. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's, there's that. Um, those, those worlds and that gameplay still works. But to come out and try these other games and then to even return back to you know your home territory with Dungeons and Dragons... Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that that game experience will have evolved and changed with the experience you've picked up from these other games. That, mm-hmm. you know, there are still things inherent to the games that are just going to create a play style. Um, but in terms of the characters that you might introduce and create... I think so. I think when you come to a place that does tend to value that inclusivity and diversity, even if... Um, we're, oh, it's a moving target. We're still always working on it. It's never going to be good enough. Um, when you play games that deliberately insert those things so that you don't have a way around them. Uh, like, a game like Monster Hearts corrals you into yes. being a particular character style. But I mean, even if you sit down at a, a trad game and you have six characters to choose from and three of them are women and one of them is trans and two of them are, are men um, and like three of them are gay, you're not giving the option for them to avoid 
the inclusive content then. It's in your face. And so even if you're playing the trad game, you're suddenly like, oh, well, I'm not a character I super identify with. How am I going to do that? And it, it makes you think about it, right? So that content even in a trad game is enough for you to go home and be like, maybe I should just not make them all gender neutral and boring. Maybe I should make them actively inclusive. It's just little, it's little steps, right? Or maybe you play D&D with someone here who's like, I don't want to have any colonialist themes in my game because I'm not into that. And suddenly you're like, oh, so I guess we're not raiding the tomb of the elves. <laughs> maybe, maybe we won't do that. Maybe we should talk to the elves and, and have permission I, to have yeah. access to their holy site. Maybe we should give them back their holy relics. Oops. We should be just taking it all right. back to our guild hall and putting it on the mantle yeah. as a trophy. Whoops. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think when you have those moments, it makes you reconsider. And I also think when someone sits at the table and says, you know what, I'm really not comfortable with this content, Um, I want to, like, tap out of that one, some people will be like, oh, you know what, I never actually thought of that as potentially being problematic until this moment. I sat down at a game one time and someone started torturing an animal. And that's normal. We kill animals all the time. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I was just like, holy shit, man, I can't handle this. (laughs) And someone was like, oh, I never thought that that might disturb someone. Like, okay, well, like, I I rescue animals all the time, right? Um, Or just, we were in one game and all the violence in it, all the people that were missing, all the people that were dead were all women. We're like, can we just have a dead dude just once, right? Can it not just be gendered violence constantly? Uh, So it's just those little challenges, I think, make people reconsider. It doesn't have to be cartel. You don't need to be playing narcos. But, like... I think having... Like, bringing other people into your group to play the games with you, uh, bring their perspectives along mm-hmm. with them, do help inform the stories you end up yes. keep making. Or you just keep making those choices yeah. without any input and challenge and changes. and uh, An ongoing ongoing conversation that never it really, will never end. Because it's and the it same shouldn't. conversation in, in culture. Yeah. Right? In the age of Me Too, where is gaming? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um... That was a lot more than I had planned to talk about. I'm sorry. That's fine. I like And that is our time here. Uh, Natalie. Yes? Thank you for hanging out with me this evening. We forgot to eat. We really did. We, we did. We barely remembered to drink water. We barely, barely did. And I think that was only after talking to Con staff. actually gave us a card, too, that reminded us, don't forget to eat, look after yourself, yeah. stay relaxed. That was the I nicest thing we saw. It, I put I it in my honestly, coat. Uh, yeah, we really didn't pay attention to it in the slightest. <laughs> We're just absolutely terrible really at our jobs. Unfortunate. So self-care is important. Uh, don't do, do, do as we say, not as we do. Pretty much, exactly. Uh, but wow, we talked to some really cool people today. Oh my god, there's some really good games coming as well. Honestly, I uh, we, we have we, there is not enough months in the year to play the number of games uh, that I've come across with. Uh, I've got a hard copy of Bluebeard's Bride now, but I want to be playing that nurses game. Oh my I, god! I want to uh, uh, I, I want to find out more about what's going on with that telenovela game from Magpie. Oh my goodness! I want to uh, go see the cartels uh, Kickstarter and see how that's going. We're gonna get on on that Amazing. when you go there. Tell them the terrible warrior sent you. <laughs> It's not going to do you any good. It won't do you anything, but it will make me look good. Um, It'll make us sleep better at night. That's what you want. Uh, I don't sleep at all now. Me I'm neither. filled only with the terrors that fill the night. Uh, 
So, uh, Natalie, thank you for joining me. At Anytime. How did you enjoy Breakout? I loved it. Back. This is really cool. I would happily come back. I'm really glad I got the opportunity to come here, explore, see people. I, I, the number of times your jaw dropped as people were giving different yeah. gaming uh, design. There are so many cool concepts. That's what that I love out. about the designing community, especially associated with tabletop games. Is there's so much cool stuff that comes out of people's brains, and it's yeah. just awe-inspiring. It, in general, is inspiring. There's nothing wrong with Dungeons & Dragons, but I'm telling you, if that's the only kind of tabletop RPG you have ever played, try something expand else. Expand your horizons and try it out, because if anything, it will actually also augment and improve the D&D <laughs> experience. When you go back to that game after trying Masks or after trying Bluebeard's Bride, I guarantee you it won't be the same Dungeons & Dragons you left behind. It all just fills in that gumbo soup that we're making. Also, if you've never had the chance to uh, play test a prototype of a game do it go see a play and pub event yep. go test something brand new because you get so invested uh, in these people and then when they these games oh uh, it's amazing if you ever have a chance to come to a convention and don't play the games you know yeah play Always the game you've something. never heard of the, hopefully the one's not even printed on anything those it's are just, my favorite it's just held together by paper clips and I've actually played games where it's literally just things written down on pieces of paper and I've had probably the most amount of fun playing those it is so it's exciting. Like, it's like walking into a mad scientist laboratory. It really is. And, and you're like, and getting to experiment. Is this going to be sugar water? They or let you have the chemicals. <laughs> they let you do they something. They should not let us they run around not. with chemicals. It's a poor life choice in general. You can find out everything about Breakout's over, but you can find everything about Breakout Con. Uh, it, we've got all the links in our show notes of the people we talked to where you can find them on Twitter because there's just no way for me to list it all off here because you my know. memory is horrible. You're going to misquote something otherwise. So. Everything. So check out the show notes in this file uh, and uh, honestly, if you have a chance to be at Breakout next year, Do it. I look forward to seeing you. And uh, I, my hope is that we can volunteer and run some games in this room. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. And uh, and then you would get to join us on the Terrible Warriors. <laughs> With your consent, I would record those games. Uh, uh, we're out of here. Uh, yeah. I, I've been Justin Eacock. And Natalie Wallace. And we've been live at the Breakout Con. Thank you, everyone at Breakout, for having us. Uh, I still don't know why you said yes, but we are very grateful, and uh, we're going to look out for those games in the future. This has been a special edition of Terrible Warriors vs. Breakout Convention. Everybody's a winner. Until we see you next time, be good to each other. Mm-hmm.